0: If you feel that life is just giving you more than you can handle, please realize that you are not alone. Welcome to Abba Daddy House Girls Speak Out with your hosts, the founders of Abba Daddy House, Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We're here to listen and provide help for you and others. At last, you have a place to speak out and be heard. Now, here are your hosts, Annette and Myrna.
1: Hi, it is Friday and we are here again at Mauger's Major Bargains and compliments of again, John Mauger. We just want to welcome our listeners and we are so glad you're here with us today and appreciate you listening. Um, So we just appreciate again, all of the listeners that that tune into us every Friday or on demand. Because I know some of you are in bed right now, asleep, and that's and you wake up to us. Hopefully, would that be a good thing? Wake up to our beautiful voice. Yeah, that would be a good thing, right? Yeah. Okay.
2: I hope. So I except for mine, when it gets real scratchy. Yeah. Then they think there's a monster in the house. Yeah. Well,
1: this morning I woke up and the left side of my throat was really bad. I thought, "Ooh, that might be doing the show by herself." <laughs> but it's okay now, kind of. So. I just want to remember, remind the challenge, guys, it's still on until next Friday. Um, The numbers should be coming in next week, I think, that um, Robert will be getting us the numbers. And will Richardson, Texas, and I'm sorry, China, if I don't pronounce this correctly, but it's Langxi, maybe, L-A-N-X-I, China, will they still be our number one live listeners? And will Ashburn, Virginia, and Dublin, Ireland be our number one for on-demand listeners? We'll find that out, hopefully, by next week, because Robert should be getting us our numbers. Yeah? Yeah. So. See who fought to get up to the top. That's right. Richardson, Texas, and and Langtai, China, and Ashburn, Virginia, and Dublin, Ireland.
2: Hey, Wichita, you could fight to get to the top. We're coming there in, what, another week? Two weeks.
1: About two weeks or so. another Mm -hmm.
2: two weeks. You know what? We're bringing the radio stuff with us. We might just book somebody on our show. Yeah. So, be wo- be looking for us.
1: Mm-hmm. How will they know what we look like?
2: Everybody knows us in Wichita. We were born and raised there.
1: Oh well, okay, sure. Well, at least a lot of people know us. Oh, all right, because you know, kind of, we've changed. I yeah. would think.
2: Yeah, I haven't.
1: Considered you haven't I'm gotten older. I'm still an Amino Henry person. I always been. You haven't
2: gotten older. I've been there off and on every year, so they've seen me as I've changed.
1: Oh, okay. All righty. We'll take that as it is. So what are we talking about today? Um, Let me think. Do
2: I remember? Oh, the troubles of life and and the addictions that go with it. Mm. You know, life does bring in addictions.
1: Yes, it does.
2: Because you know what?
1: You can be addicted to life. Imagine that. Hmm. That would be. A, could be a good way and a bad way, right? Yeah. Okay.
2: Depends on what you're addicted to in life.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because um, addictions come in big forms or come in small forms. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that you can be addicted to. Not only can you be addicted to, um, you can be addicted to pain. You could be addicted to... You mean you would want to hurt? Yeah. Okay. You know, people hurt themselves just to relieve themselves. Okay, like cutters. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. I got you on that one. All yeah. right.
2: We're talking plain and simple. We're talking about addictions of all
1: forms. So addiction, do you control it or does it control you?
2: An addiction is a controller itself. All right. You don't control it. You can't control it. That's what reason It's called an addiction. Okay something you have to go get help to get rid of
1: and do you ever say just this is the last tell yourself this is the last time 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 and i've heard the best of them say
2: you know what i was addicted to this and i kicked it and Mm -hmm. you know what Mm -hmm. next thing you know they're back in our office again right Kicked it. How do you kick an addiction? You get your foot out there and go over there and kick it? I don't think you can kick an
1: addiction. Okay. You roll with it? Uh,
2: you roll with the pain of it. Okay. Then you go get help and you learn to deal with it because an right. addiction is with
1: you for the rest of your life. I would agree with that, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah, Because I don't think addiction is. I think there's something. You know, I'm going to take my butterfly off. It's a clicking on my. my, my oh, <laughs> that's true.
2: You know, butterflies fly.
1: That's right. Mine's flying. you airing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, It's a flying. All right. We don't need that noise. <laughs> no, we don't need the fluttering wings. Yeah. So I think maybe there's the ad- level of the addiction, but there's something underneath that is what I think I hear you saying. Yeah.
2: And addiction is pain mm-hmm. in itself. Yeah. Because of the control it
1: has on mm-hmm. you. And then underneath it, that pushes the addiction. That pushes the pain. Mm-hmm. All right. How many of you guys uh, know what we're talking about? How
2: many of you out there um, can feel that just by hearing us talk about it? Yeah. And if you need, if you want to call in and talk about it, if you're brave enough to call in and yeah. talk about it. We're willing to let you talk about. It. Did you bring the phone number with you?
1: Um, you know what? Not off the top of my head, no. Oh, I Josh had- has it. Nope, I don't have it hey, right now. Josh, do you have the phone number to he the has show? It. He well, they say it on the commercials at the breaks. They give it. So, but no, I didn't not have it. It's actually not with me right now. So sorry. Listen to it on the breaks, and you'll get it. So goofed on that one. It's, oh, in, it's our in our chat. chat.
2: It is one eight 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 three four six nine one four one. Thank you, Josh.
1: He makes us look so efficient, doesn't he? Though
2: yeah. he's our addiction. <laughs> yeah, I'd
1: be addicted. <laughs> I
2: am addicted to no Josh. Lot. We're a little dependent. How dependent? When he doesn't, when he doesn't come to work, we cry. That's right. So,
1: <laughs> so what can what can you be addicted to? Josh. Besides that.
2: Work. Okay. Yep. Um, food. Mm-hmm. Drugs. Okay. Alcohol. Sex. Pornography. Shopping. Hoarding. Relationships. Exercise. Social, social media, media. Gambling. And work. I said work already. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like your
1: feet in there. I like that. <laughs> that was a good one we didn't have on our paperwork. That's right social media. Mm-hmm. That's true cuz we've had clients come in and say they've just been on their phone 24/7. Well, we
2: have one that comes into session and is on her phone, on her phone during
1: or, session. Yes and we
2: have to tell her to put your phone put down. Put phone down. Yeah. We're going to we're going to build a box to put in our
1: office and they have to drop their phone in the box mm-hmm. when they come in. <laughs> but it's it's really just like a focus on that behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Just totally focused and it, it takes over their life or do they allow it to take over their life or is something they can't I think see? it's an addiction. Okay. I really do, because you know some people are on
2: that like it's like it's a, a look at my granddaughter. I mean, read, 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 read read. Reading's an addiction. It can be
1: something that you can't live without. So it's almost like an escape. Mm-hmm. An escape from whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like whatever you can do or however you can do it to fill that. Is it kind of like void? void? Okay. To fill it a void. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I would agree with that 100%. You know, as we researched today's show, it's interesting that a a phrase popped up about, it's called comfort addiction. And it was defined as, as empty substitutes we use to fill our need for, and then you fill in the blank. So an empty substitutes we use to fill our need for. And so that's where the void part comes in. And it's the the comfort addiction is self-soothing. That's why it's comforting. You know, we talk about comfort food and or our our comfy blanket or our our comfy whatever, because it's self-soothing. You know, um, my youngest daughter in Kansas, when she was born, she had a yellow blankie and that was her comfort. That was her self-soother, that blanket. And I don't know how many times I I zigzagged the ribbon around it and how many times it got washed, but that was her blankie. And I think it was for her, her high school graduation. She actually, I had put that up when she set it aside. I actually put it up and stored it for her and on her, uh, on her graduation from high school. I'm pretty sure that was one of her presents because it was a self-soother for her. So, but usually, but sometimes, so with self-soothing, you can do it, with, like we just said, with food, with illicit, uh, li- legal and illicit drugs, um, alcohol, sex, pornography, all of that. Whatever self-soothes you, whatever, um, I think it was described this last couple of weeks um, by someone as a a craze that takes over you. And and then you do this, and then it's just like, <sighs> But it's like an unhealthy, <sighs> Because it's always temporary, right? Never permanent. You're always seeking it. You're always just gaining that temporary comfort. And so I think the first thing that we're going to talk about is, and I think you're going to talk about food addiction. Hmm. Well, on
2: food addiction, there was 70 million food addictions adults in the United States have. Okay. Okay. And I'm one of them because, well, for time I was younger, I had, I was, well, I was anorexia once, and then I became bulimia. Now I'm a binge eater. Mm-hmm. And I mean, addiction with food is a hard one to break because it's a, it's a really soother and a comforter. And depending on what you've gone through in your life, that is something that is easy to get to. It's not illegal.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's something that's in your home. Right. Easily accept, mm-hmm. accept. Yeah. fifty of obese, 50% of obese, 30% of those overweight, and 20% who are considered at healthy weight, are addicted to specific foods, combo of foods, or volumes of food.
1: That was interesting because I didn't think about a combo of food. You know, I figured food and a volume, but a combo. So what do you mean by a binge eating? I mean, so what does that mean? I'm sorry. I'm going to go on. 30 million people of all ages and gender suffer from an eating disorder in the United States. And this is what was amazing to me. All, every 62 minutes, at least one person dies as a direct result from an eating disorder. Uh, That's amazing to me. I, I could not, I did not know that statistic until, you know, Annette brought the subject up and we did some research on it. 62 minutes, at least one person dies as a direct result from an eating disorder. So that's anorexia nervosa. That's bulimia. nervosa and binge eating and binge eating it's a hard one
2: one the others are two but when you binge eat it's your last last ditch effort to hang on to something i've lost 150 pounds Mm -hmm. because i've had help of course and i've kept it off Mm -hmm. and we're proud of her But my binge binge eating is at night. Mm -hmm. Yes, when you binge eat, you hoard food. You hide food. And you, you inspect yourself. Make sure you're good enough. Or you're not good enough. I'm
1: always trying to prove something. Improve to prove. Improve to improve, okay. Improve to prove. To prove, okay. To prove myself. And, And obviously this was an origin from your childhood abuse. Okay. It's one I haven't been able to beat. You've beat a lot of stuff, and there's times where you don't binge eat. Not very often. So,
2: uh, the candy I gave you today mm -hmm. is part of my binge stash.
1: Oh, okay. It is sugar
2: free. Yeah, it is. But it's still eating. I don't have a problem with binging during the day. I can stay, I can eat hardly anything during the day. Mm-hmm. But I have a demon in me at night.
1: Mm-hmm. Metaphorically speaking, you don't really yeah, have no, a demon. In the you. demon is my binge demon. Okay, I want I want to set that straight with
2: everybody. Okay. No, I, my food that I've stashed now is pretty healthy stuff. I've mm-hmm. tried to stash away healthy like, stuff, but when there's ice cream in the house, look out refrigerator! I'm <laughs> there. Well, we just won't buy any more ice cream. No, you can't do that. Larry likes
1: ice cream. I've tried to control it. Okay. But it's hard. It is. It's an addiction. And she's done very well, though. She's lost over 150 pounds. So and kept it off. We need to say, huh? Yeah. So food, if you guys are out there and you have a food addiction, there's help. That's one of the reasons why we're doing what we do. And- you know, with anorexia and bulimia and
2: binge eating and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. It's it's something that really affects feelings and people. And it's not something that everybody likes
1: to talk about. And and we d- I did ask Annette if she wanted to do this today and she agreed. Well, I-, I didn't say I wasn't going to do it without <laughs> feelings. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be you. And Myrna's never known I was a binge eater. Mm-hmm.
2: I didn't tell her until yesterday when we was writing the
1: story. And she didn't know I had a mirror with light by it. Well, I knew there was the mirror and I knew there was the light, but I didn't put the two together. Because I went in and turned the light on the other night for the cat because he doesn't like to be in the dark.
2: But you never noticed it was all together? There no, and that not, I
1: not right there. huh? Nope
2: but I counted on you wouldn't because I knew that you guys don't pay attention to this stuff and you didn't know, you don't know where I stash my stuff
1: at because you guys don't check on those well, things. Well, I don't snoop. It's your room. It's not my place to do that. But Hey, now that it's out in the air, the whole world knows. Because
2: I'd, I'd lock it up.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, well, what we'll do is we'll work on this together and we'll figure it out. I ain't worried about it. Oh, okay. And if you're not worried about it, I guess I will try not to be. Okay, we have thirty seconds. We'll talk about um, next. The next up is um, something. Some, if we have some statistics to show, if you are li- if you are more liable to be um, illegal drug use or alcohol abuse when we come back after break.
0: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing a testimony of God's healing power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a testimony of God's healing power. Find it today. Abba Daddy House, Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4, verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org. self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's one 346 9141 You may also send an email to abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette.
1: All right. We are back from break and we're talking about things that control us instead of us controlling them. And we've kind of nubbed it comfort addiction because it's the temporary self soothing that we do with um, certain chemicals or food or relationships. And right now we're, we're headed into this is in the United States. Statistics reveal that if you are between the age of 18 to 25, if you're a male, if you're unemployed, Okay, so between the age of 18 to 25, male, unemployed, you have a great chance of being diagnosed with a substance abuse disorder. Now, a substance abuse disorder would include drugs and alcohol to include also the prescription drugs. So that comes from a 2017 National Survey on Drug Use and Health. Um, that would be Annette's phone going off up there, and we're down here. So hold on, let me get this. The button on top. Here you go, Annette. We all certainly added that part out. So, if you are between 18, 25, male, unemployed, you have a great chance of being diagnosed with a substance abuse disorder. And like I said, that comes from the 2017 National Survey on Drug Use and Health. And kind of to, as a testimony, we have um, his name is Craig, Greg, and he, this is taken from Heroes in Recovery. And... Take, uh, he he has he says that he takes a deep breath and exhales that uh, that alone to him is a gift that he takes advantage of a lot for that he took advantage of for a long time the gift of breathing and of blood pumping through his veins into into his heart he says and I'm just going to um, share with you his story so for half my life I've been doomed due to alcohol abuse. My adult life has been nothing short of being stuck in a barrel as it comes tumbling down a large hill. When I get to the bottom, I get out and stand up, then I fall again. Repeatedly, I fall. When when will the fog finally be lifted? And it was interesting because Craig shares that, excuse me, Greg shares that he had an unbelievable childhood, consumed with laughter and adventure, and um, nothing could get in his way, and he had a loving family, he was an athlete, Honorable roll student, he had everything that childhood would want. That's what he says. He was blessed, so he says. Where did I go wrong? Where did I go wrong? What happened to that sweet, playful boy? He lived his teenage and adult years blaming others and making excuses, anything to keep from looking at his at the real problem, which was him. He says, "I could, did everything I could to not look at me." I refuse to look at the mirror, man in the mirror and say anything and say enough is enough. He ran everything into the ground. He knew it would hurt, and he knew it was wrong, and he was accustomed to the chaos. So the life of all that insanity that haunts him even today. He said, from being homeless to being in the ICU, surrounded by his family who traveled to say their goodbyes, to taking things that weren't mine. He was only functioning on willpower, and the willpower was for more. And it didn't matter what that he was going to die. He all said he, because he would tell himself, "Well, we're all going to die someday. So hey, I might as well die from this." And he says, "Imagine your sweet mom kneeling at your feet, crying and begging you to stop, tears pouring down her face." And he says, "Who had I become?" After numerous attempts and some sex success. (laughs) how about that one after numerous attempts and some (laughs) success (laughs) we'll probably edit that one too that demon crept back up (laughs) I just wasn't ready he said I needed to do more research I needed to prove to the whole world that everyone was wrong about me I had to discover that gray area that no one had ever found turns out there was no gray area alcoholism is black and white and when you are one you will always be one he said it wasn't my family's fault it wasn't my trauma my anxiety or my depression it was me and so he threw his hands up in the air and waved the white flag and started to live and he says you know he's, he's going now and he's, he's getting treatment and he's going to meetings and he has he has life back he has a family now he didn't lose his family almost did that he, that isn't surra- he The family isn't surrounded by a dying body, but they're surrounded by, he's by him, by him moving forward and getting a new life and choosing life, and he just keeps fighting and staying committed and he never gives up. So alcoholism took Craig's life. Greg, excuse me, Greg's life, and um, controlled it until one day he got sick and tired of being sick and tired, and he said, "That's it. I'm done." And and got help and realized that, that he um. It wasn't his family's fault or his trauma or anxiety or depression. It was him and he had to do something about it, which is exactly what you have to do. You have to say, Okay, I'm tired of making excuses and pointing fingers and blaming everyone else. I'm the I'm the problem. It's within me and I have to change. So anything on that, Annette? No? Okay. Pretty cut and dry, huh? To me it's it's it's
2: it's horrible, but you know what there's so many
1: people that have it that mm-hmm. are
2: addicted and stuff and it's that it is I I thank God that he let me bypass that addiction yeah I've had addictions but right. not to alcohol or drugs or I I tried drinking I can't stand things that control me
1: mhm mm-hmm. and
2: I mean when it takes over my head mm-hmm. like alcohol and drugs I tried marijuana mm-hmm. once and no way. I tried smoking a cigarette once, and I'm about choked to death. I said, "Forget the cigarettes." So mm-hmm. thank God he didn't let me get addicted to any of those. That's right. I have yeah. enough to break.
1: That's right. So when you do alcohol, sometimes, well, um, it shows that when once you do alcohol, you are at risk to doing other things. Is that is that kind of correct? Yeah. There, yeah. I have to get my glasses on for this one. Okay, she's going to get her eyes on.
2: Uh, individuals that are addicted to alcohol are two times more likely to also get addicted to heroin because uh, I guess they already started the addiction mm-hmm. process inside of them, mm-hmm. so it weakens their system. So okay, they're going if Maybe- they if they try heroin. I mean, once they get alcohol, mm-hmm. it's just not good enough. They want more. Okay, so. And when you're already depressed and you're already, your system's down and you're trying to cover up pain and all that suffering, of course you're going to want to bury more. Right. So you got to go to something stronger. And then those who are addicted to marijuana are three times more likely. To be addicted to heroin? Or cocaine or anything like that. Individuals addicted to cocaine, cocaine, cocaine are 15 times more likely. And people addicted to prescription drugs are 40 times more likely. Prescription drugs, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a social accepted drug. Right. Because if you're in pain, you go get a prescription drug, it's
1: legal. Mm-hmm. So you got it from a doctor. Yeah. And so that- That kind of minimizes the addiction. Is That yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. It's illegal. I have I have, I have a prescription.
2: It's legal until you
1: start buying them off the street. Well, until somebody starts selling them to you. Because
2: exactly. They don't really need them. They got them because so, they wanted to make the money off so, of them.
1: but listen to what you just said. That that okay? So they started with alcohol, and so alcoholics are more likely to go to heroin. You start with marijuana, you're even more likely. You what? What you say? You're three times more likely to go to heroin. And if you're on cocaine, you're 15 times more likely to go to heroin. And if Stronger you're on prescription drugs, uh-huh. If you go to prescription drugs, then you're 40 times likely to go to heroin. But there's also such a thing as called an addictive personality. Yes. And some people don't believe in that,
2: mm-hmm. but you know I do because mm-hmm. I have been on a prescription pain reliever
1: for mm-hmm. golly years—40 years, 50 years at least. Since, well, if it was fifty, I was in be, Kansas. Well, if it was fifty, you'd be ten, like ten years old. So, well, not quite, not quite that young. But I, after I got married,
2: I ended up so probably thirty. Yeah, probably thirty. But I've never been addicted to them. I've never taken them as prescribed for one thing, because if I'd taken three to four of those a day, I'd probably be off my feet and laying in bed and not thinking straight. I don't like prescription drug for one thing, Mm -hmm. a pain reliever, but I'll get a a 30-day prescription and it lasts me up to three months. Right. Because, and and I can drop a pill, like Ambien, I've been on that Mm -hmm. for how long? A long time. And how long did it take me to get off of it? One night. One night, yeah. (laughs) But I don't... I don't have an addictive personality, mm-hmm. and there is addictive personalities. My son died on on Percocet.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He had a heart attack, and he took too many Percocets, so the
1: system shut down. Yep. But but in reality, he, he had, died of the of the heart attack because it blew it out. He, well, he didn't, it, didn't have to die of talk, talk. it. Well, he wouldn't. They could
2: have saved him, but his kidneys yeah. and everything shut, shut down, down from the Percocet. Yeah. But, you know. There was a 90% block. hmm mm-hmm we didn't know he didn't but, we didn't know he had a heart attack no. but the drugs is the thing that is the
1: culprit yeah and he mm-hmm. had an addictive personality yeah, yeah. So, so tell us about Kate from heroes in recovery and her drug problems
2: Kate in heroes in recovery i knew i had a drug problem the first time i put i put a mood first time i put a mood First time, I put a mood-altering substance. Oh, altering substance in my body. When I first started getting high, it was casual. Just a kid smoking pot with her friends after school. It was just weed, right? How could it be a problem? And that's what a lot of people say. Exactly. It's just weed, just pot, and it's legalized now. From the beginning, I could use substance like other people, even when I was just even when it was just weed, I started to smoke every chance I got. I couldn't understand why my friends would turn down a chance to smoke weed. Why wouldn't you want to be high on at all times? I mean, why not? You can even drive a car while you're under weed. Okay. During my senior year of high school, my parents realized I had a problem and put me into an intensive outpatient program for teens with substance abuse problems. I did that to my son
1: hmm
2: they drug tested every week so i quit smoking weed in order to pass the test she got smart instead of smoking i started drinking and popping pills did she get smart mm. making sure they would be out of my system by the time i had i have to take the test college was when my addiction really took off i didn't have to go to class or be home at a certain time so i started partying And took any substance I could get my hands on. I was always trying to escape my problems. Did I not tell you addiction Mm -hmm. was to cover up problems? Yep. Or just alter the world around me? If I was happy, I got high. If I was sad, I got higher. No matter what it was or what I was feeling, drugs was the solution. So, for any excuse? I soon began to experience the consequences of my addiction. I got kicked out of college. I was arrested numerous times, and eventually I served time in jail, wondering how I had got there. I still failed to realize it was because of how powerless I was over drugs and alcohol. When I got out of jail, I went to court. I went to court-ordered rehab for the first time and become friends with the girl in the program. Once we got out of rehab, my charges were dismissed. We offered, She offered me crack and heroin for the first time, and I fell in love instantly. New boyfriend and crack heroin. Yeah. After that, my life was constant storms of, of woes. I floated in and out of jail, lost friends, alienated my family. I couldn't keep a job, but I didn't care as long as I could get high. It was like I was trying to alter my universe all the time. But when I came back down to reality, I had bulldozed everything on earth to touch one star in that space. My addiction got to the point where I was living on the street, homeless, eating in soup kitchens, because I didn't want to spend the money I had on food. That was the point when I realized maybe I should stop getting high. I checked myself into rehab and started to listen to the suggestions from the people around me. I learned about my disease and realized that what I was going through was just just as serious as any other illness. I learned there was a way to recover. I started talking about my feelings and what made it so hard to handle life without the use of substance. When I got out of rehab, I started going to a support group for addicts like me and found support in other people in recovery. I saw people who were like me, who hadn't used drugs in, two, in years, and I realized if they couldn't do it, I could do it. If they could do it, I could do it. I started to use coping skills like exercise, writing. I self-published a poetry book about my experience experiences battling depression, drama, and addiction and how I started to love myself again. I reached out to other people and asked for help when I felt like using and they helped me get through it. My life slowly got better. I started to rebuild a relationship with my family, got a good full-time job I enjoyed and I registered for classes. Getting clean and sober was easy, but I was so but it was so worth it. wasn't easy, but it was so worth it. I found a better way of life. I wasn't living before, and now I have a future. I didn't think of think was possible. I turned 21 in sobriety, and that was one of the best days I have had sober. I spent my 21st with all my sober friends and family eating good food and just spent quality time together. I remember it. I remember it the next day. I am so grateful I made the choice to get sober and learn recovery is available to anyone who wants it. I just must make the choice to stay clean one day at a time. I never thought I'd be so young and in recovery, but there are many people my age who are like me and have recovered. I never thought my life could be this fulfilling, but being sober has helped me reclaim my life and learn how to enjoy every moment and be present.
1: You know, <clears throat> as you read the Kate story, I went back to um, Greg's story, and there's, there's something that's in common besides the addiction. They both had trauma. They both had trauma in their life. Well, you know what?
2: Most people that are addicted to drugs have trauma. Yep. Matter of fact, I think most people in the world have, have some trauma. kind of trauma. Exactly. Because
1: what's trauma to you might not be trauma to me. But that's how I, you know, that's how it affected me. And and right there, that trauma is is what's the underlying to me is the underlying co-occurring, and for with the addiction. Some people say well, when they come into our office, they say. <laughs>
2: I don't know why I'm here. When I hear somebody else's story, I don't yeah. feel like mine's so bad. Yeah. I go, uh, I don't want to hear that ever come out of your mouth again, because what hurts you is just as bad as what hurts exactly. me. My story was bad for me, but your story
1: is just yeah. as bad as my story. That's right. Trauma is trauma. Trauma is trauma, no matter what That's it is. Right. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about the d- drug world, drugs in the world and um talk about Bangladesh in Iran and France when we come back
0: it's your world motivate change succeed voice com. Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith we provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4, verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit Abadaddyhouse.org. Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. Find it today. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call one 888 346 9141. That's 1 346 9141. You may also send an email to abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette.
1: Hi, we're talking about um, addictions today and that comfort addiction or comfort recovery. And because we take, we do certain things to soothe ourselves. And we've talked about um, Craig and we Greg, I keep calling him Craig, that's my son-in-law's name, um, and Kate, who both had trauma in their lives, and they both went, one went to alcohol, one went to, to drugs, and right now we're talking about drugs in the world, because I wanted to bring that, because we have, um, this goes worldwide, and learned some stuff about Bangladesh. Uh, meth is called, and again, I'm sorry if I don't pronounce this right, but it's it's spelled Y-A-B-A, and I'm just going to say Yaba. And half the young people are addicted to it, growing from 81,000 pills in 2010 to nearly 30 million in 2016, according to the World Drug Addiction Stats. That's a lot of pills in six years, a lot of pills, 81,000 to 30 million. It is growing among the adolescent and children who are living on the street. That's horrible. And there are few resources because the government doesn't have the ability, I guess. There's only five public and only 68 private treatment centers in the country. That's not very many. But think how much different things are growing in the United States, which they don't say. Exactly. And in Iran, there's an opiate epidemic, nearly 3% of Iran's population um, addicted to drugs, and of course, opiates is the most highly used because of their location being a major trafficking area mm-hmm. there in in, in um, Iran. And but the government pop yep poppy seeds and poppy they plant. Use poppy seeds. Do drugs here. That's right. And they got but there's hope in Iran because the government has authorized over eight thousand rehab clinics. So that's good. The government got a hand on that one. In France, like America, is an opiate crisis. Um, fentanyl and Oxycontin are expensive, and they have lax regulation laws, and so it's, it's open market there. And I didn't know that about France. And cocaine, popular in Scotland. I didn't Scotland? Know. Scotland. And, Tom
2: needs to stay here then. Yeah,
1: and Brazil. And heroin is also widely used in countries like Afghanistan, Afghanistan again, where the substance is harvested, harvested from opium poppy pods because they're grown there. So that's in well, the world. poppy pods are used a lot they for are. everything. They are. So that's kind of I a, just think they put yeah. poppy seeds on our bones. Not mine. <laughs> I don't like poppy seeds. I don't eat them because they get caught in my little stomach no, places. No, my dad loves poppy loved poppy seeds, but not me. So that's kind of... The, they don't have <laughs> no flavor to them, so why do they love them? I don't know. So that's kind of a, a world look. Um, now, we'll kind of move into something that I think is kind of a a soapbox for us yeah um it has to do with pornography
2: yeah just think of the traffic they get
1: <clears throat> yeah
2: they need- you know i've always said drugs alcohol pornography and money is the devil's <clears throat> skin mm-hmm. that's what he gets people with that's right if you're a christian you can get got to yeah pastors yeah deacons elders us Yes, everybody can everybody. get God. Yep, because this is the devil's den. That's and right. you know when the internet came in?
1: Oh, I've always said that was the biggest devil's den there ever was. Yep. Did you know that porn sites receive more regular traffic than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined each month? Comes- HuffPost. Post. Mm-hmm. That's what HuffPost Post said. Yep. Combined, guys, Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined each month. What about globally?
2: Yep. Porn is globally estimated $97 ninety seven dollar billion industries, with about twelve billion of that coming from the U S. NBC News reports that
1: ninety seven billion dollars and twelve billion from us. Wow, yeah. twelve billion dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah. The. Teenage girls, this is what surprised me, and young women are significantly more likely to actively seek out porn than women 25 years old and above. In fact, we've had young women come into our office addicted to porn. Mm -hmm. It's a growing number. It's a growing number. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and it's, um, it doesn't, and Don Hopkins, the executive director for the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. Now, this one blew me away. This one was hard believes the average age, and this came from Christianity today, but believes the average age of children struggling with porn is eight. And I believe that. But
2: because when we've asked <coughs> when we've asked people, I can't I'm not gonna name whether it's female or male, but when we ask people in our office, how old were you when you first mm-hmm. got involved with porn? Mm-hmm. And they tell us five or
1: eight. Mm-hmm. And what she has said is that But she's seen younger children, including a growing number of very young girls, as young as age six, six six years old.
2: That's sad. It doesn't matter if the child is homeschooled, attends public or
1: private school. Kids will be exposed to porn. That's absolutely correct. They will be. It's kind of like Nina from Heroes in Recovery. She was 11 years old when she was exposed to pornography. It was it was by innocently by a friend who showed her the um, a funny video on a website, and the friend was sexually experimenting and 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 nina 's curiosity got the best of her, and she started in on it, and she was hooked and she was she hit it she thought oh this is a this is a men 's thing this this isn 't a woman 's thing, and she didn 't think that it was going to hurt her well, it did, and she realized that she was a single teenager. And she was hiding, lying on, lying on about the porn that she was watching. And, and she was overachieving to make up the wrong. She knew what she was doing and she was trying to make up for it. No one else did um, know that what she was doing. She was uh, using a boyfriend to toe the line and wanted to go farther, but kept her virginity. And she went on to college and she went into a spiral of insanity. And And a turning point was for her was when two mentors and colleagues decided to have an affair. And she decided, and she saw that happen, and she saw the devastation. Excuse me, and she saw what it did to their witness and the relationships. And she decided that it was time for her to go straight. It was time for her to to be honest with herself. And so she said, "Porn had come on from a, from being a virtual and distant thing to being real, messy, and the concept of sex in an unhealthy context it was more repulsive than ever." And she had a flash-forward vision to future relationship with her husband, and she didn't want to be that person that she was standing there having that terrible thought. So she was, we haven't mentioned this, but she was introduced to ce- celebrate recovery. And I like what the article said. It says, um, she says, the heal to heal, I had to deal. I like that. We, ha- we have to, um, well, if you can't feel it, God won't heal it. And this was to heal I had to deal. So to heal, she had to deal with the trauma in her life that pushed her towards this um, addiction. And so she started having people accountability around with her. She started being honest with her family members. And um, she realized that, you know, mental illness was the family secret that no one ever spoke about. And it got out in the open. And she was she learned that she had choices and she didn't have to live a life in pornography. And she learned how to make amends and forgive without expectations from her family. And she just had a healthier toolbox to, to, to do. So that was, again, that was Nina. And she, she's just a woman. She was just a little girl that, that found herself into it. She said she discovered that only God can fight the battles. He does the heavy lifting and I And she says, I surrender in obedience. I like what you said about <clears throat> Above that one
2: another that she can be beautiful with no strings attached. Oh, that's awesome. That's good.
1: Yeah. I like that. And she just encourages women and she says, women, if you, if you have this problem, you can talk about the issue. We're all human. Statistically, one out of three porn addicts are female. Okay. And that's why we intentionally chose a woman because we think this is a man's, this is a man's thing and it's not. It's a woman's thing too. And you can reach out and you can have get help, because that's what it's all about—is getting help. And we have seen women; we've had seen yet teens come in our office, and um, they've had a problem with this, and it's sad. And they're and they're they've raised in Christian homes, very good Christian homes, but they have had access to this because of trauma. I think that's our word for today: trauma. In their life, but trauma drills a lot
2: of things. Yes, it does. <clears throat> things that happen in your childhood, things that happen
1: in your life, it can cause you to go into a whirlwind mm-hmm. or a spiral, right? Spiral down and down and down and down. Absolutely. So, do you think anyone can quit by themselves? You don't think so? We'll see. All these th- the people that we've talked about today. They had, help. they had helped. When they had helped. When, they When they realized they couldn't do it by themselves, they had help. You're right. So you know what the definition of sanity is, right? Doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same results. same results. So they had to get past that, didn't they? So there are 12-step programs out there, treatment centers, resources you can explore. Well, we're not a 12-step program, and we're not a treatment center. However, we may just fall under that resource area, right? Uh, we can lead them to the right direction. That's right, right. In the, in the beginning of the show, we read about making a life checklist and, and how many walls block your road to peace and success. Well, how many walls have you built? Remember the comfort addiction? You go to the behavior or thought process to quench that uncontrollable need or desire. That's a wall that guards a dark, cold cavern buried deep within you, within your soul that you protect at any cost. That is what you are doing with your addiction, protecting yourself, allowing the pain to remain, to haunt you, to control you. If you're a consistent listener, then you already know what direction we're going to go, and you're right, straight to Jesus. Jesus is the light who wants to shed light into your darkness. However, he's also a gentleman, isn't he? Yeah. And will not force his way into your life and into your darkness. He waits for an invitation. God granted the mind. Excuse me, God created the mind. He can heal the mind. We said that earlier. Humankind created the addiction. God can heal the addiction because nothing is impossible for him. Will God heal you overnight? Or will it take some time? I don't know. He could He could heal you the way he wants to heal you. Do you agree with that one, Annette? Yeah. Do you think you're you're trading one control, the addiction, for another control, God? You think people think that? Well, if I don't, if I give it to God, then He's just going to be controlling me. Well, remember, God, Jesus is not intrusive. He only controls what you surrender. Right? He only controls what you surrender. So remember that. He can't. He won't come in. He won't be intrusive. He won't come in and take over, he'll only take take control of what you surrender to him. It's that simple. We want to say that next week's show, let me ask you this. Have you ever asked yourself the following questions? How can I teach my children to use the internet with integrity? How do I guard my own heart and remain pure online? How do I serve as an example to my family, coworkers, friends, church? Realizing the threat that online technology posed without proper monitoring the founder of Covenant Eyes invented internet accountability to equip people to protect themselves and their families from online dangers. We'll be talking about this safeguard and how it applies to you or your li- our list excuse me to you our listeners and that'll be next week's show. It's called Covenant Eyes and it's a neat program that you can put on your computer and um, and protect That's why protect your family and yourself and accountability um, software. And we'll be talking to, I think it's, um, I think his name is Dan from Covenant Eyes. We will be talking to you next Friday. Annette, any closing words? Nope. Okay. Thank you for listening. And we should have the numbers next week. Come on. Richardson, Texas, China, Virginia, and Ireland. We'll be talking to you.
0: Thank you for being here this week. Be sure to join hosts Annette Smith and Myrna Thatcher for another edition of Abba Girls Speak Out next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy the upcoming weekend.